Hello and welcome to episode four of the Battle Royale podcast. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me, of course, is the my co-host, the Professor Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello, everybody. And tonight we have a very special guest as we are joined by my co-host uh, for Movies in Tea, as well as the owner of Tranquil Dreams. Of course, it's the one and only Miss Kim Lowe. Hello. And tonight we are on episode four, or should we say chapter four, The Necklace. As on our previous previous episodes, the story so far has seen our group of school kids who have been kidnapped and taken to the island, where they have now found themselves to be the selected class of this year's Battle Royale, and are now faced with the prospect of fighting each other to the death. On the previous episode as well, we saw that their school teacher, who had strongly opposed the Battle Royale Act, had been replaced by Takano and promptly offed by the local military. But now on Chapter 4, we are introduced to the rules of Battle Royale, as we are given a very interesting uh, outline of uh, what's going to be happening to these school kids on the island, which... But I don't know about anyone else, but I find it kind of strange there's something that's been going on for a while that these kids are so clueless as to what's going on. The fact that they need a video with a real perky and, you know, full of beans young lady to explain the rules of what's going to be happening on this island. Well, yeah, it's it's um, <clears throat> it's very sort of Japanese pop pop culture-y kind of TV presenter-y, isn't it? Um, as, as I understand it, a lot of Japanese TV is, is quite like this, sort of the, sort of the mainstream uh, entertainment programs are full of overly perky people. So it's just, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, playing on that stereotype, even though it's a Japanese film. <laughs> but I think this is also part of the film that a lot of people remember. They might remember all the killings and things like that, but I'm pretty darn certain most people will remember this young lady. Yes, I mean, she has become something of our own mascot. If you go to our Facebook page, you will actually see that she is our header, that originally we were planning to change for each movie, and then we sort of put her up there and then have never changed her since. So <laughs> she's become our unofficial sort of mascot, really, for, for the, our show. And it's... There's something about this particular scene that would just completely takes you out and by the surprise. It's a very comical scene uh, for a film that is sort of very light on laughs. I think in many ways, and if there are any laughs in this film, it's very sort of black humoured sort of laughs. But Kim, I mean, when you obviously saw this saw this film and you're suddenly presented with this how to play Battle Royale sort of instructional video, I mean, how did the scene sort of play for yourself? Did it sort of take away the sort of tension that had been building up to this moment or... Was it uh, sort of something that you sort of went with? I mean, I feel like it's really the the video itself is very. It, it feels it feels like a little bit of the the dark comedy type of thing. So it kind of works because, like like Stephen says, it's kind of a staple, and you expect this kind of video to happen. And it creates a contrast, especially in this scene, because, you know, there, it, it gets really intense in, in between the whole viewing of this whole video. So I guess, I guess it, I don't know if it was intentional to kind of cut through it, but maybe it was just to give that, just to kind of loosen the situation up before it got into like, oh yeah, you know, things might seem like it's, it's you know, everybody's kind of taking it easy especially like with uh with the 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 instructor and then um we have 
and then what was it? instructor was like Kitano or something like that. Yeah. I forgot his name. Yeah, and and then uh, and then this there's this big contrast of him being super amped up, and then and then he's kind of like talking with the video, and you have this whole like they are taking it really easily where when things happen in the background, like something like someone whispers in the background and or or, or doesn't focus on the video or something, and he just you know it just goes bad really quickly. <laughs> Konnichiwa! That's what I said. <laughs> yeah, this, this scene is is almost played for laughs, though, isn't it? So we've just come from the last... The last thing we saw was the teacher getting... The, the, the corpse of their teacher. Yeah. And then suddenly we get yeah. this this video. And, and then he actually goes, Konnichiwa! The katana goes, Konnichiwa! And, and then it's... <laughs> Yeah, uh, then something else happens, and then and then he plays that for laughs as well. It's like this this one segment is played for laughs, which is a complete contrast of the absolute dark place it went to, probably on the darkest places the whole film goes to a few seconds ago. It's where we where we're deconstructing the film like this, like in little tiny three or four minute segments. It's quite amazing how much the tone changes, like like the wind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think this is another great thing about this this particular sequence because we're sort of drawn into this false sense of security where it's sort of like oh we're in this sort of light beat up uh, upbeat sort of moment here we're here with this little sort of uh, you know idle sort of check who's explained the rules of Ballarat and then suddenly we're cut to uh, Fumio who's caught whispering and uh, to, to kind of basically throws a knife in her head giving us our first student death of the film. Which, again, it just comes completely out of nowhere. And it's just played so coldly. And yet, I don't know who pauses the video because it seems to be like never miss a beat between him randomly killing this uh, this girl for whispering. Well, I'm sure the military in the back is doing something and they're doing it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> think, think, there's a lot of things that, that, that feel a bit weird about, the, you know, when you, when you watch the movie again, you kind of notice these little things. Like, I, I only watched the beginning up to this part. Again, but I mean, it was yeah. it was kind of like okay, well, if this has been going on where classes have vanished from the earth, you know, why is no <laughs> one talking about it? And how do these students know nothing about it? Because say if you compared it to, like, obviously uh, the American counterpart, Hunger Games. You know, Hunger Games it was like a world where everybody knew the Hunger Games existed, and it was like this big event that happened, and it was this big honor to fight in Hunger Games. You know. Whereas this one is more like hush hush, you know. Uh, there's military, and these people are sent on an island, and and, and it, it's just it's 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 very weird how like no one's talking about a bunch of students that have vanished. But and completely at odds with the opening scene where we see the end of the previous battle royal, where the where the news are there, and yeah. and and. and, and I mean, we've talked about this several times now. There's a real disconnect here. These kids really haven't got a clue. Either the point is the kids haven't got a clue what's going on in the world, hence why, you know, we're talking about this breakdown in, yeah. in youth and, you know, and the, the place that youth have in society now, and they're just not paying any attention to it. But yeah. it's just really weird that I, I, I can't wait to about, I don't know, episode 15 of this where we finally get on to the, the fighting and I can start worrying <laughs> about the real inconsistency with that because it bugs the heck out of me and it always has. That you know, like, like you say, the, the Hunger Games, obviously, that, <clears throat> you know, who, who stole whose idea from who 
but that could be a debate for another time. But, you know, just just think now, think about any reality TV show. And this is kind of predating a lot of reality TV. But I, I don't know what you what you have, Kim, but you know, we have Big Brother and um, I don't know, stupid circle. Yeah, it's a cool stupid things on Netflix where people get fake married and stuff like that. But it's it's <laughs> it's water cooler TV. Yeah, so either you're into it and you're completely completely into it and you're phoning up and paying money to vote for people, or at least you're talking about it with people at work or people at school. They just seem to know nothing, and then you think, well, maybe they should all die then because they're so ignorant. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that that's the point, right? Because after that, they have this, you know, obvious, I don't know if this scene gets there, but I mean, the, there's like this conversation about how they're there because the reason they're there is because of just, I think it's after this, it's probably the chapter after that you talk about it. But I mean, it's, it, it's the, the ignorance that, uh, and disrespect that the current teenagers and high schoolers have. That's why the battle royale act exists in the first place. So. Yeah, which, which yeah. you know, as you said, Elwood is is much more fleshed out in the novel, um, and, and, and the stuff like a race just just to get there, and maybe maybe not so much as cared about it. But you know what? I don't know. I don't know what um, Katano was a teacher of, but his knife throwing <laughs> skills are <laughs> supreme because female student eighteen Fujiyoshi gets that knife to the head, and and there's no. No mistake, he's, he's and, it, yeah. and it's in there, and she's instantly killed. I, mean, I think he's been wasted as a teacher, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, we're supposed to believe that he's had a year since being stabbed in the ass. Um, to, to be to hone his skills as being a battle royale instructor, so he's obviously been been working it. But again, it's uh, he, as you said, it comes completely out of nowhere. It's a scene of just such sudden violence. Yeah, it's one that. I've heard people find the remark that's like really funny or it's just really shocking. So it can be taken either way. And it's a scene that's in all three, it's in the book as well. And it's kind of before the fact you lit the scene in the really know how familiar it is in the coaching to say as an actress. There's a very, there's more like a, it's like a nurse of cats. But no, definitely the scene is exactly the same. How it's sort of shot is different. In the film, obviously, there's sort of discussed hours in the book and the manga all discussed. So she's basically just like slumps down on her death and it's just kind of dramatic but we still have the scene where he's sort of like sadistically pulling the knife out of her head and as a character I mean Fumio is very very nothingy in all three formats I mean the most we find out about her is that she was like a nurse's aide and she was just a very quiet girl and I believe it's in the, the book that uh, they say that she was like saving her money because she wanted to go to America to get a nose job um which I guess is the worries now, but um, yeah, she sort of sort of resonates, kind of maintains the balance of who's in trust. That he can just randomly offer students like that, and as we mentioned in the previous episode, the fact that he goes through quite a couple, of, he goes through a couple of these students in this scene alone, and it's all sort of like before he sort of does them, it's like oh, I'm not supposed to actually kill them. Oh, and again, Plunk Kim said about the comedy, you know, he goes, oh, I don't want to do that, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and and it just, this whole scene is just full of what dark comedy, but it's. It's definitely there, just just warming us up for the for the more serious times ahead, maybe. Yeah, it's and then we it's like we have this moment of, of violence, and then it's like oh, back to the video now, <laughs> and somehow these these students are like they're getting to this this uh, environment of violence that's uh, happening around them, and it's really the second part that we get onto like a video we learn about the colors, we learn about this island, and. 
this island apparently is supposed to be inhabited, but the military have, uh, have evacuated it. And in the film, they said that they've gone willingly. But if you look at the manga, they've basically been shoved off by the military. It's like, nope, we're taking this over. You lot go somewhere else. And you have these cool shots of just these military like mass exodus in all these people on the island. I don't know where they put them. Um, maybe in a hotel or something. But they're, they're just all shunted off the island just so they can have these students like, run around and maim each other in horrible ways. So. <laughs> Well, there's not loads of houses or anything. They're just lighthouse. <laughs> You've got the fishing Fruit, village. And there's that barn, isn't there? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mezzanine floor later on, yeah, I suppose. And I think it's more in when you look at the, the manga in the book, there's more sort of structures in it, whereas, as you rightly point out in the film, it's very sort of minimalist sort of structures that you have. I mean, the lighthouse is the only sort of main structure, and you obviously got the command where all the instructors and the soldiers are that uh, are the only sort of main sort of structures everything else is kind of derelict uh, we get a little bit sort of industrial escape where you look at like third man and his crew are hanging out later in the film as well so no, I was I don't, I don't know why now you now you said that in the other in the other sort of tellings of the story it's it's an inhabited island it's clear I was assumed it was like an anthrax island kind of thing something where some some some, some biological weapon has previously been tested by the Japanese army and then it's now just an, an isolated uninhabited rock that they um that they've used so yeah that's, that's interesting kind of reminds me of uh, the new people which was a um a drama series in like the I think it was the 70s or 80s where these uh, stu- American students they crash land on this uh, island that was like used for American nuclear testing and they had all these like buildings and stuff and it's the same sort of setup here um, of just this island that's just been sort of set up for this one purpose and in this case it's just tell them around uh, but I kind of wonder it's all like what were they like putting hoping the kitchens would use these buildings for any sort of purpose or is it just basically just stuff that's been left for the island left on the island that they haven't bothered to clear out I don't really think they put that much thought into it I mean, I mean sure they, they probably I don't think it matters to them as long as the, the, the kids are doing as they want them to do and killing them until one person is the main point, right? I mean, if they find something and creatively turn it into a weapon, well, good on them, you know? <laughs> I don't think that because there, even even when they were saying it, there, there's nothing is against the rules as long as there's one person who wins at the end. So. Definitely so, and so to sort of further back up the point, because obviously, you know, just are sit on there for a while, and they're not uh, the three years group to begin with. We can't follow these trips, well, school trip, but uh, they don't seem to be really big on actually doing anything unless it's a sort of serve themselves. So, I think the the fact that they're all armed with the, they've all got the explosive colours as well, is a really good motivator as well. Um, and I keep seeing these people actually wearing these as fashion like choices when you go to like cons and stuff. These people with, like the battle royale colours, which I I don't know is that is that cool or is that kind of sick? I don't I don't know where I'm supposed to stand on that one. Probably the latter, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's damn millennials. <laughs> I think. Uh, well, I think it's yeah, yeah. The, 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 so the collars. Are we, are we going to talk about the collars yet? Yeah. Yeah, we can talk okay. about the collars. So so when's this film? Two thousand, right? Um, yeah. well, this is the precursor to the Apple Watch, isn't it? Because it, it measures your pulse <laughs> and it tells everybody where you are. <laughs> and uh, makes you think long and hard about putting my Apple Watch on ever again. <laughs> because the ghost of Steve Jobs might be there ready to blow off my wrist or something. But uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, actually, the, watching it again tonight made me just think how this really isn't well thought out at all because they, the, the, the woman on the video says, yes, we measure your pulse so we know where you are and what you're doing. Well, no, you'll just know what someone's heart rate is. None of that tells you what you are, where you're doing. I know it's like a sci-fi conceit or something like that, but 
it's all very weird. And when um, when one gets triggered in a minute, it's a line of sight remote control that has to set it off. I, I'm having some doubts about the reality of some of this um, some of this necklace technology. Well, it's not just that. I mean, they've also got the danger zones around. Uh, so anyone who's because so they have to constantly keep they're constantly pushing them in. So you can't just hang out on the fringes. You're constantly being pushed in. So this is basically if you play Fortnite and stuff, it just free sale like steals all of this if you play like any of these battle royale mm. games you just have where you've got the perimeters like constantly pushing you in so you're forced into conflict with people and yeah i know you was obviously saying about it's remote but i would i would think that they can remotely detonate these and certainly they can track them because one of the other students has the scanner where you can see what other students are which i suppose is really handy if you just want to avoid people or in his case you want to find somebody so they do. Yeah, no, no, actually... they, do, they do. But but what she says is not true. By measuring someone's pulse, you don't know where they are and you don't know what they're doing. I have no doubt it's got a GPS or something in it as well. <laughs> the lady in the video, if not in the movie, those kids went to school. <laughs> well, I mean, if you think about when this movie was made, it's kind of, you know, maybe they didn't know that much of technology and they didn't really care too much oh, about it. I mean, it's fucking me tonight. But that's yeah. what happens when we're down to such, you know, by minutes of the film. Yeah. Stop being old. Yeah. yeah, but you're right. Fortnite and and other other games like that have absolutely ripped this off. Not just about Royale name, but they you know, they they've ripped off that concert completely. Where the, the the I mean, they don't have the necklaces, but they have a storm come, don't they? That forces you. Um, yeah, and it's because you know you know squeakers can't really help like people's heads. <laughs> so they have to they have to like you know tone it down for them. Well, I mean, if you do that at um, games, you limit your 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 audience like the players that you'd be able to your age group would be much smaller so they yeah. can't do that and say like games or something they can do like whatever poison gas or something like that and then they'll just they'll just fall down but i mean somebody in the head it's not all for their head to clone a fire that's what they're thing, right <laughs> so yeah it's it's a very sort of dubious thing but i don't wonder it's about ever been a game where like everyone just sort of like didn't do anything and they had to like just basically mass kill everyone off bone up their collars because certainly there's no mention of it in any of games of like any, a game where they've had to sort of like kill everyone off we sort of got to the moment where they sort of do the countdown as we're sort of talk about a bit later in the film but there's never any moment where it's sort of like come down to that uh we've got to kill kill them all because they're not uh playing the game i mean you, you do wonder what would happen if they had all just said all right then and just all mass just sat there. Yeah. It wouldn't... <laughs> I, I know it wouldn't make much for much of a film. <laughs> Battle Royale 3. <laughs> the slackers. Yeah, right, mate. Just all stay here, then. <laughs> wouldn't, make, wouldn't make... It's like being a television a... show, would it? <laughs> <laughs> Battle Royale 3. <laughs> House Arrest <laughs> Edition. It's like... I always used to think that house arrest wasn't a really big punishment, and then we had like five months of lockdown, and I'm kind of reconsidering that. Yes, you can't go to Alcatraz, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose it's like who you're on house arrest with. Yeah, I, as so hard as you might be finding it with your family, mate, spent spent <laughs> being in prison with rapists and drug addicts and, and the like probably is worse. So... Is that that's that to consider? Probably. I guess I don't know. 
Okay, so another sort of key death we have here is uh, the death of Nobu, who's obviously uh, Nanahara's best friend. And the two basically come up through the orphanage system that uh, they've sort of known each other since they were eight. And it's this is kind of where the, the book and the manga differ from the film, because in the film, he's shown as being kind of a wild card. He's... Uh, very impulsive. He randomly, he, as we said multiple times, he stabbed Katano. Um, it, we have had some debate over whether it was his ass or his thigh. But um, needless to say that uh, in the in the film he gets stabbed in the same place by um, when Takano basically uh, irate sends him into one of his little irate uh, furies and uh, decides to blow his collar up as a kind of message to the rest of the group and it's a real sort of significant moment really because it, it's one of those moments that inspires Nahara to to attempt to try and beat this game um, and gives him a reason to fight but with uh, when we look at the the manga especially um, Decano's takes a very sort of different tact as uh, he actually says that he went and uh, raped the sort of um, head of this uh, charity house who Nobu is uh, seen as being extremely fond of, he's very defensive of her and in the book and the manga he's actually a very sort of calm and sort of very caring individual, he doesn't the only time he's sort of quick to anger is when he's sort of pushed or the people around him are sort of threatened so this, you know Takao basically saying that he's uh, raped his sort of surrogate mother basically sends him into this fury where he tries to attack him and for his efforts he ends up getting shot in the face really graphically in the manga so uh, if you want to you can check that out uh, but in the film he's obviously has his collar exploded and I don't know about yourselves but were you kind of disappointed by the explosion this collar causes? Because, I, I mean, I've seen Running Man before, and that obviously has the exploding head collars, and I was kind of expecting some of the same, but here it's more just like exploding throats. So I, I, um, I, 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 I'm a little bit older than you guys, and I grew up with Cronenberg's scanners on video. I, I, I was okay. expecting more of that. And, <laughs> and, and, and actually, it appears to blow up. It looks like his head might get blown off, and then we see straight after nothing really's happened apart from a load of CGI blood seeps into his um, shirt and he falls over. Yeah, the, the 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 explosion and the after effect, other than the death, the the physicality of it, seem to be seem to be somewhat at odds with each other. But it's still kind of shocking because, you know, as as you just outlined, this is this is. The guy we're pretty sure is going to be the lead character in the film. He's, he's the only one who's got any real background so far. It's his best friend. Um, he's, he's, we obviously, there's, there's been the setup between him and Katano from the ass slashing, as you would say, sir. Um, and to have him gone, I don't know how many minutes have gone in the film, I know, but less than 15 minutes have gone. And somebody who in any other film would have been almost certainly would have been killed off during the, the film. But not for another hour or so. Um, it's it, it, it seems it seems very very quick to get rid of somebody who's, who's probably the most fleshed out character that we've met so far. Yes. 
Okay. How do you find this? Because I mean, this obviously when we were giving you the the chapter to select, we said to you, you know, you can choose any chapter you want in this this film to discuss. And you're like, I really want to talk about the exploding necklace for some reason. And I was like, okay. <laughs> well, okay. So I'm, have I'm gonna, at it. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna have to justify myself because the this is the scene that I remember the most. And has I think I don't know. I don't know. It's been. It's been like the early days of the blog that I watched it. And I yeah. that was when I had re-entered into horror movies in general. And I hadn't watched horror movies for like, I don't know, five years or something like that. Um, and I watched this one and I don't know, the entire first part of the movie and that whole like knife throwing into the head and all that got me already really, really worked up. And then by the time I got to like the necklace exploding, I actually was so like worked up I had to I got so nervous that I had to shut like I had to like stop the movie (laughs) and then I had to go take a walk around to calm down before I came back to finish and that's why I remember that scene especially a lot it sounds like you know like now that I'm watching it again and I'm you know I think it's like what uh I don't know at least 10 years later I mean it's it feels like I really Maybe it's just because I'm a little bit more desensitized now because I watch a lot more horror movies in a year. <laughs> so, just really tough now. Yeah, so now it, it's 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 kind of like the initial shock is not there anymore. It is still obviously like Steven says, it's still a shocking scene in the sense that uh, yes, you expect this char- character to be be kind of there for the rest of the movie especially for a part of the movie especially because he's the best friend and there's you know and and asia likes to play on this whole you know i don't know bromance deal like friendship and all that stuff they can play on that if they kept the character but at the same time it was just like the movie with that part had so much dark comedy that it kind of like threw you off guard a little and what happened was you know you obviously have this part where the girls talking about the necklace in, in the video and oh with all the features and, and something's gonna happen and the sounding alarm and then she does this whole like cute thing where she's like, Don't try it, okay? And then she has like this 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 like, you know, pouty sad face thing. And then and then all of a sudden, you know, this happens and then they have this whole confrontation and then he's just like, you know, Katano just whips out a thing and then he's like, he's like, okay. And then it's the caller starts beeping. And then it's, it's kind of like that moment where you don't think it's real. You, if you had doubts that it was real, well, here it is. It's not real. It, it, it is real type of deal. And, and this actually happens and that kind of like, you know, sends out, it kind of is like a wake up call for everybody that's in the room at that moment. Definitely so, and I think it's certainly the fact that you get more of an interaction, you get those sort of fun moments between Nobu and Nanahara, uh, where they basically call each other's names out in this little, like desperate freeze frame sort of moment, uh, before he gets sort of like, his uh, throat and he blows up and we get some of the most wooden acting possible. I mean, if you thought like the deaths in Pop Sarai movies were overacted, you should see how Nobu ch- chooses to go out, it's... It's almost like he's been caught in freeze frame. <laughs> um, he, you would expect him to like flail around, but no, he just like freezes and falls forward. Um, so, I mean, the fact he's obviously killed with an exploding collar instead of his um, being shot in the face, like we see in the book and the manga. I mean, do you think it was sort of more effective to have that sort of 
sort of final moment between the two friends or would you prefer like the more sudden shock another burst of like sudden shocking violence and having being shot in the face so i think i think kim put a finger on it the point is in the film it's to show us that these collars and i've just picked holes in them but it's to show us the collars are real and that they're a real threat (laughs) Um, you were doubting they didn't work. Oh, so, oh no, no, I was, I, I, was, no. I, was, I, was I was doubting the efficacy of some of the technolo- technology in them. The bomb bit, I've never had any doubt in. Um, <laughs> but it's the it, distance, right? It's the distance of how far these remotes work that you had it, doubt. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and and the fact they know where you are when from your from your pulse. I think that's nonsense. However, that's not the point. In this in this case, they if they just if you just shot him in the face, then that's that's going to be no different to 15 other deaths in the film. But by, okay. but by using the collar, it shows us the audience that this, this is legit and this is real. This isn't, this isn't within the world of the film. That is obviously it's not real, real because these, these are young actors and actresses. You couldn't actually threaten to blow their heads off. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I think, I think that's why it's important. And I think, the fact that there is that sort of time stood still moment between the two friends again kim's put a finger on it in in so much asian film and asian tv shows that that brotherhood amongst school buddies is such a thing so many tv shows so many films are based around your best friend at school who you tend to grow up with and join the army with or you know we've all seen hundreds of films where that's a really core bit of somebody's formative personality is 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 created around that relationship how you know how many times have we seen that the two mates have gone to war or two people who used to be best friends come together again later on and they reminisce about that the time they didn't do their homework or some other crazy crime so i i think yeah i i think it's 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 playing on that with with the local audience, because this isn't a film made for us, is it? This is a film made for Japanese people. And it's got lots of things to say about Japanese society in the 2000s. So yeah, I think I think Kim Kim got both bits of it really, from my from my view anyway. Yeah, um, I'm just uh, trying to think now what to what to say about this. Um. Yeah, I mean, certainly when you, when you look at the group's reaction, because this, uh, this again really shows what a sadist uh, Katano is in in any version, but in this one, he basically, as I say, he chooses to get that final source to get his revenge on Nobu. No, it's not enough just to blow his blow his throat out, but he has to stab him and sort of mimic the same injury that he caused on him earlier in in the film, or a year sort of earlier is in this sort of timeline here, uh, but. Then he sort of like kicks him into the rest of the group, who seem to think that the, that they're going to get the sort of scanner death that you were talking about, Stephen, where it's going to be this huge sort of explosion, and uh, they're basically he's just basically been desperately running towards them. I'm not sure what he expects any of these these class to do. Like they're going to suddenly like leap in there like a co-pilot on a plane and suddenly take control of the situation or what? But um, it, it all it seems to do is just sort of cause sort of mass panic amongst them and. It's uh, yeah. It, it I think of like of the violence in the films. I think this was like compared to what we've seen up to up to this point. This was actually pretty standard um, in terms of sort of events because we mentioned in previous episodes like when we see like Nanaharis Faru's hung himself at the beginning of the film. That was really shocking when the film came out, and the same when 
Um, she gets like the knife in the head. These are like really unexpected moments of violence here. But I think when it came to Nobu's death, it just felt very sort of nothing that we haven't really sort of seen in the West before. So I think then perhaps a little when you come to think of it, it's sort of like a little um, disappointment. It wasn't bigger. It wasn't more of a Well, I, I think, you know, if you think about it, like, it just, I'm just thinking about it now when you say it, that most of Death 4 were, were more, like, instantaneous. Whereas this one, you have that time to kind of stew as he runs around, necklace is beeping, everybody's running around, frankly, like, headless chickens, and then it beeps faster and faster, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, you suddenly have that, you know, you have that music which wasn't there before, and it starts, like, raising or raising, and then, you know, it's just like, everything is a mess, and then it, like, blows up, and then sparks are flying, and, you know, blood's pooling when he falls over, and that sort of stuff, and it becomes, like, it's a, it's a different type of death than the previous two, and it, it, it really changes the pace also of, of, you know, what to expect of this movie. Like, there's going to be a lot more of this sort of, like, it's not all just, like, this subtle thing going on, you know? Yeah, really good thing by the soldiers there to put that plastic on the floor. So clearly they knew something was going to happen. Somebody was going to get killed in some well, way. Well, you've got to remember, Katano's been nursing this grudge, right, for a year. Yeah. There's, I'm pretty certain... He was going to do it. This was going to happen, whatever he wanted. He was going to show it off and it was going to be no, that was going to get it. Right? So he, it was, it was fully planned, but yeah, that does, that feeds into something else, but that's for the next episode. There's, there's a lot of, um, predetermination going on in this, this segment of the film. Cool. Um, anything you want to talk about that we haven't got already? No. No? Steven, you're oh, more than happy. Okay, so let's run the scorecards of the journey so far. So, so far we've had one hanging, one knife to the head, and now an exploding collar. More fun still to come as we are still in the early stages of the game, with 42 students left to play. But all that is to come as we go move into our next chapter, so make sure you join us next time for that. Uh, But before we uh, sign off, I just want to uh, obviously... uh, Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you as well to our co- our special co-host tonight, Kim, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, Kim, if people want to come and listen to more of you, where's the best place to come and find you? Uh, well, obviously, there's Movies and Tea Podcast, which you co-host with me, <laughs> and that's Movies and Tea. It's Robin Yeah, moviesandteapodcast.wordpress.com. Uh, I run my own blog, which is Tranquil Dreams, and right now is, I don't know when this is going up, but right now I'm covering the virtual version of the Fantasia Film Festival, um, and that's at uh, KL, uh, klling.wordpress.com. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I have everything. I've, uh, I have pretty much most, most social media you can find me on is Tranquil Dreams. So uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Great. Um, links, as always, you can find in the episode uh, description below. And and if you uh, haven't done already, uh, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. Uh, you can also follow the Asian Cinema Film Club. We are on f- Facebook, which is our main sort of hub. We've got a great community happening there, and we post uh, various news stories and uh, interesting bits and p- reviews and uh, things on there. You can also check out our archive websites, which is asiancinemafilmclub.wordpress.com, and we're also on Instagram and Twitter as well. 
But um, wherever you haven't listened to us, please do hit the uh, like and subscribe buttons and leave us a review as it all helps raise the profile of the show. And maybe check out our main show, the Asian Cinema Film Club, where on our latest episode we find out who exactly hurt Stephen as he makes us watch <laughs> Kim Kim K. Duck's Morpheus in probably one of our more interesting discussions that we've had on the show. And I'm going to leave it at that. So it's uh, that's certainly an interesting film to check out. Um, to say the least uh, but uh, make sure you join us next time as we move on to chapter 5 life is a game until then good night good night